Drinking blood, Will Ospreay shows his hand, and the return of the Viper. Just another standard week in professional wrestling, with AEW full gear in the books, Survivor Series War Games just 24 hours away, and we're here to talk about it all on Earning the Push. My name is Jack Murley, professional broadcaster, alongside professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. Charlie, how the devil are you? I'm very, very well, thank you, Jack. I'm very well. I am excited for... Survivor Series this weekend. I think it's going to be good. I'm umming and ahhing at the moment on whether I stay up or whether I get up early Sunday and watch it unspoiled. I haven't decided yet. I'll probably make the decision tomorrow evening, but I am excited for this one. I'm buzzing for it. I'm buzzing after full gear. It's a huge time for wrestling. We're going to get straight into it. He's Charlie underscore Beckett on the socials. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review, subscribe to Earning the Push wherever you listen. Actually, just the first thing you said there, since we've had back-to-back weeks of it, How mad is it nowadays that we don't even think that there's, oh, it's a Saturday night pay-per-view. There were years when it was always Sunday night, and now we're like, meh. Yeah, it makes such a difference to us here in England because actually you can stay up on the Saturday night and then have the Sunday to recover and be functioning for work on Monday morning, whereas there's been a number of times in my rugby career I've turned up on Monday morning to training looking like I've been out on the town, I'm hungover. It's just I've only had three hours sleep because I've watched WrestleMania or the Rumble. So it makes a massive difference, and I'm very, very appreciative that they do it. It's one of those changes that we've just accepted, whereas if you'd said to a wrestling fan 10 years ago, oh, yeah, Saturday night pay-per-views, they'd have sort of, what, what, what's going on? So. Yeah. Speaking of turning up to work, not in perhaps the best state, I suspect that'll be true of Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page, because we're going to kick off with Full Gear, presented by AEW from the Kia Forum in California this past Saturday. No devil reveal, CM Punk didn't show up, and in a show that had a number of really good matches, there are probably only going to be two or three things that really stand out, and that Texas death match between Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page. Let's get right into it, Charlie. You're not a huge fan of the death match, so I can't imagine for you this ticked your boxes. No, I am not a huge fan of death matches in general. I think I I watch wrestling to enjoy it, and I know there's danger and there's a level of violence and all of it, but sometimes the death matches just get a little bit much. If I wanted to watch two men have a bar fight, I go and hang around bars and watch people actually fight. Like it, it just gets a bit much for me sometimes, and it's a strange thing to say, I know, but but it's the truth. They are not my cup of tea. Um, if they are though, and people, I know there are a lot of people who do enjoy them. That's absolutely fine. AEW do them really well and do them properly. Like they, like it's not like when in WWE you've heard of like this is a blood feud with a last man standing brought the end of a few kendo shot sticks. Like AEW do gore and violence and X-rated violence at that at a level that WWE never will because of they are still a PG product. Like they just won't do that. So if that is your bag, AEW is the place to go and get it. However, this one especially, for me, went even further. I I don't need to see a man drinking another man's man's blood. Like, I, I don't need to see that in my wrestling, really. That was, for me, that wasn't like an oh-my-God moment. That was like a, oh, I've I've actually, that's taken me out of my enjoyment of this moment. I it just, I wasn't a fan of that personally. No, I like death matches more than you, if they have story. And here's what I'm going to say about this one. And I think we've caveated it enough. We're not saying this was bad. We're saying that if this is your cup of tea, you're not going to get any better than this. However, I did feel the same when I saw Hangman Page lie himself under Swerve Strickland's forehead, open his mouth, gulp down his bleeding forehead blood and spray it out 
my stomach flipped. It it just turned, and I could not. It is one of those rare moments in wrestling where I could not believe what I was seeing, and I'm not judging it, but I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it's one of those things you're you're just you almost have to do a double take of have they actually really done that because it is one of the most brazen and uh, think of the right word disgusting is not the right word because people will have different reactions to it, but it is. It was one of those things that will emote the most vicious reactions from people that I have seen. It's up there. Everyone's going to have an opinion on this. And you know what? We're talking about it. So if your job as Swerve and Hangman and Page was to get people talking about your match on a very good card to be the first thing people talk about, it did that. And actually, it was there was a lot of good stuff in this match as well as this. But if you're going to drink another man's blood, that's going to be the spot people are going to talk about on Monday. That, that That's how that works. If you're doing that, you're doing it for one reason, that is to get people talking about that spot and your match. It's absolutely done that. It just, like I said, death matches aren't my bag anyway. And this one especially, I, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't a bad match at all. And for what it was, it was very good. It just wasn't my cup of tea in the slightest. I was trying to understand why this was the line for me, because it was the line. It was the point where I went, ooh, I'm, I can't get past that. And I don't have a problem when someone takes the blood from someone's forehead and smears it over their chest. And I'm sure we've seen spots in the past where people sort of even lick the blood of someone else. So I don't know why this, for some reason, was just that step too far. And to try and explain it is odd, because I know for some people it absolutely wasn't, and they loved it, but just for me, didn't quite work. But if you're going to do it, this is the blood feud to do it in. And this puts Swerve Strickland on the map, right? This is his breakout moment. Yeah, 100%. He didn't need a match like this. He's having a very good career, but it just puts him on that level of, I think the only place for Swerve Strickland to go next is the world title scene. In AEW, like you come off a few this hot, a match this um, talked about this hot in that sense. You are a talent who is that good because Swerve is excellent. You've just beaten a former world champion. The only place it makes sense for me for him to go is to the world championship scene. I'm not saying he'll be the man to throw an MJF from this run, but I fully believe we will see Swerve Strickland with the AEW world title at some point in the not too distant future. This, for me, you're absolutely right, legitimises your Swerve Strickland as someone who you can put in the ring with a Kenny Omega, with a Chris Jericho. I would like to see that match. I think this gives him something. It's a bit like, in a slightly different way, that Randy Orton-Mick Foley match back at 2004 Backlash. It, it was, okay, now you can never be seen in the light you were before. Something has changed that you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah, it's the same with Edge and Foley at WrestleMania with their, I think that was WrestleMania 22, I think, off the top of my head, with their hardcore match that legitimised Edge. And I'm not saying Hangman and Page is that man. like that. Being the man who legitimises younger talent normally comes later in your career. But Hangman and Page is incredibly legitimate in AEW. No one will question his credentials. To beat him in a match like this completely legitimises Swerve in that locker room, in that roster, the way they present him on TV now. He absolutely is the man that beat Adam Page in this match and therefore is ready to step up to the next level. We'll be talking about uh, surprises that weren't. No CM Punk turning up uh, at uh, full gear. Maybe he'll be at Survivor Series. We'll be chatting about that uh, a little later on the podcast. The big signing who Tony Khan teased... I think most people thought it would be Will Ospreay, and it was. He has signed. He's put pen to paper. He is all elite, although with some slight caveats, because he's all elite, but not yet. And we won't be seeing him until after AEW Revolution on a full-time basis. But 
Talk to me your thoughts on that announcement. I think it's very, very good business for AEW. I think Will Ospreay is probably outside of AEW and WWE signed talents before this announcement, the biggest and most popular, most well-known wrestler in the world, apart from maybe Mercedes Monet, mm. potentially. So he's he's as big as you can get on that free agent roster. Um, I think he'd be a brilliant fit in AEW. There's automatically loads of matches you want to see. He's obviously been involved with some of the um, supercards of Ring of Honor and that sort of forbidden door, that sort of stuff. I think it's a great signing for them. I think teasing it the way he did, actually, he delivered on his tease, Tony Khan, this time. So that makes sense. Um, I understand announcing it now and we're not seeing him for a few months because you can now build the excitement, the vignettes, VTs, that sort of stuff, rather than just be a he's in. Because AW sometimes have fallen foul of announcing these big guys, these big stars, and they're not knowing what to do with them immediately. So they've got time for the excitement to die down again and then re- reignite as we lead up to it. So I think it was a very good signing, a very good announcement, done very well. What, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, I agree. I did see some people say... You didn't need to announce it now. You could have held off a little bit, but let's be realistic. They're trying to sell out Wembley Stadium again and the tickets go on sale today as we record this. So, you know, if you're going to try and sell out Wembley for a second time in a row, saying that Will Ospreay is going to be there is just smart business sense. I think he's going to be a great addition to the roster. I want him to come in right at the top. In fact, if Mm. I was AEW, I would be planning to keep the title on MJF through until All In, And I would be building to a Will Ospreay MJF all-in main event because that is the biggest money match that AEW has available to them, I would suggest, at this stage. Yeah, I think so. And I think especially in uh, Will Ospreay in England, I think it's huge. So I I agree as well. He has to come at the top. But there's no point saying you're signing one of the the greatest athletes and greatest wrestling talents in the world and then slotting him into the mid-card. Like, present him how you have already uh, approached him and presented him in the media. So you've got to present him that way on screen as well. Interesting as well with MGF. I don't know if you saw the reports this week. I meant to speak to you about this before the show, but sometimes I forget to do that. So I land things on Jack live. Um, I was seeing reports from a lot of people on X, Twitter, whatever, that WWE higher-ups believe MGF has quietly re-signed with AEW without making a song and dance. But I don't know if you saw these and what you think of them. Yeah, I did see that. And I'm not surprised at all, if if I'm being honest. I think WWE would love MJF, but MJF pushes the envelope, likes to get the fan intrigue going, but I think he feels, for the moment, maybe not forever, but for the moment, AEW is doing right by him. And particularly after that falling out two years ago, he seems to have got a huge contract. He's the champion. He's featured everywhere. He's clearly enjoying what he's doing. I'm not surprised. Now, watch as he pitches up at the Rumble or something like that, you know, but I I think it's a right move for him and it's a right move for the industry. Yeah, I entirely agree. And absolutely, I wholeheartedly believe that at some point we see MJF in WWE because he's mid-20s. He's already at the top of the game in the second biggest company in the world. You're not telling me at some point in the next 10 years he doesn't end up at WWE. He absolutely does. I entirely agree, I think another two or three year contract in AEW is the complete right thing for him, for AEW. And like I said, the industry, I think having MJF in AEW makes AEW better and having a better AEW makes the wrestling industry better. So I'm really, really, if if those reports are true, I'm really, really happy with that. We know that uh, MJF retained his world championship at full gear. 
very convoluted storytelling to get there. If you've seen the pay-per-view, you know it was Adam Cole was going to defend, then he didn't, then MJF lives his best stone-cold life and comes out in an ambulance. I like that Adam Cole is back. I like that they are teasing him still being the best friend of MJF. There is nothing I'm seeing that makes me any less convinced that Adam Cole is going to be the devil and betray him, which is the story we should have had all along. Yeah, and even if Adam Cole isn't the devil, if he's not the man behind the mask, I think he's the man behind the man behind the mask. I think he's pulling the strings. I'm And who's the, the man I... behind the man behind the man behind the man in the mask? Probably CM Punk. <laughs> um, no, I, I have no idea still who is behind the mask, but Adam Cole, I have no doubt, is involved with this somewhere. There's, It's too... We are too long in the tooth as wrestling fans to truly believe that Adam Cole likes MGF and is just being a nice friend and is out there on his crutches, in his wheelchair, just being nice to MGF. No, no, that's not how it works. Not in wrestling. So I absolutely wholeheartedly believe Adam Cole will be turning on MGF. When and how, I don't know. But he's involved somehow. And I think what we're getting is long-term storytelling. I can absolutely see a point where the turn does come when you look and go... Why did he offer to defend the title when he's got a bad leg? Why was he so keen for, for Samoa Joe to face MJF? What, what was Adam Cole's game? And I think there's really good stuff there. This pay-per-view, if you didn't see it, you can still get it on replay. You can order it. Had a hell of a tag team ladder match. That's well worth checking out. And on Dynamite, we saw Christian Cage continue to do the best work of his career. The rechristening ceremony of the former Luchasaurus, now known as Killswitch, uh, alongside uh, Nick Wayne, I just think Christian Cage, we take it for granted how good he is. And the build to the match with Adam Copeland, ticking along quite nicely. Yeah, Christian Cage is outstanding. This was not a Christian I think any of us knew knew we needed, but we do. Um, I mourn the loss of Luchasaurus because, and this is my genuine text to Jack yesterday, I like dinosaurs. So that's a shame, but I'm sure we'll get him back one day when he's a face again. Jack did make a very good point to me of you can't have a monster heel named after a dinosaur. That one's tough, a tough sell, which is fair. Yeah. Um, a word for how cool the picture of Sting, Adam Copeland and Darby Allen walking out uh, at the weekend together is. It is such a cool photo. I loved their gear. I loved their face paint. Adam Copeland just looks like he's having the best time in the world, doesn't he? Like tagging with Sting. So he like, I, I loved seeing that. And yeah, the build to Christian Cage, Dar- not Darby Allen, Christian Cage, Adam Copeland is up there as one of the biggest matches AEW can give us right now. I like they're not rushing it, but they're also saying to us, we absolutely are building there. Don't worry. Like we know this is where we need to get to. Everyone's aware of that. We are going to get there. Just trust us. And speaking of resurgence, Samoa Joe, Oh, inject this Samoa Joe into my veins. This is who we should have had when Samoa Joe was in WWE. The Samoa Joe who comes out and says to MJF, I want you fit for our title match. You are my property. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. But then when we meet in the ring, I'm going to choke you out. I was bricking it. And I'm not MJF. And I know it's all fictional. This Samoa Joe is quietly under the radar becoming one of the best things in wrestling. Yeah, Joe is at his best when he doesn't say too much, but every word he says has meaning. He's scary as hell, and he'll just kick the living daylights out of you. That is when Samoa Joe is at his best, and he knows that. When Joe is fully aware of that and leans on that, and that was the Samoa Joe we saw in NXT, which was my first 
um, my first experience with Samoa Joe. I didn't really know him from his Ring of Honor days. So that was the Joe I got to know in NXT. We did not get that Joe on the main roster in WWE for whatever reason. And that, that's a travesty. The fact that Samoa Joe never had a world title run in WWE, I think, is a travesty because we, we all the ingredients were there. Everything we needed was there for that Joe to be champion. And I like so much that we are coming back to that Joe at the top of the card in AEW. Yeah, he is legitimate. He legit. That is a main event I want to see. And wrestling has got so many main events I want to see at the moment, including in less than 24 hours in Chicago, Illinois, WWE presents Survivor Series War Games. Let's get into it because Team Cody now has its fifth member confirmed. It isn't CM Punk unless they're swerving us massively. On Raw, Cody Rhodes teasing and all but confirming, WWE confirming later in the night, that the apex predator, Randy Orton, is making his return. Just brilliant. I think we said it last week. Randy is at that stage of his career now where we didn't know what we had till it was gone with Randy Orton. We have probably just been so complacent on the fact that we've had this freak of an athlete, a generational star, on our screens pretty much non-stop for the last 20 years. And only through this 18-month hiatus and where we thought we might have lost him forever in wrestling, like he might have to retire, only through that have we realised, oh, we've got something special here. And I think the pop for him, when that music hits, when I hear Voice in My Head comes on on Saturday night, the place is going to go berserk. And I think you're going to see a run for Randy Orton now where he gets that, you are a legend, still wrestling, acclaim, like Cena gets when he comes back now, like Undertaker got at the end of his career, like these guys get and deserve. I think we'll see that now for Randy because we had to face the thought of not seeing him wrestle again and all hated it so much. So I am really excited. I thought the way they teased it was except was exceptional. Cody was brilliant. The segment was excellent. Everyone being happy apart from Jey Uso makes oh, perfect sense because it was Jey Uso in the bloodline who injured Randy Orton and Randy ain't the sort of man to forgive and forget. That's not what the Viper does. So the fact that Jay wasn't happy makes complete sense. I love that they they lean into that because you wouldn't forgive that, would you, if you're Randy Orton? You would not be happy to see Jay Uso. And I would not give any odds on Randy Orton, Arco, and Jay Uso at the weekend. But it might be the first thing he does. I wouldn't be surprised if he walks into war games and just Arco Jay Uso and then gets on with it. Um, but I'm very, very excited. I just thought it was exceptional. I thought everything about that announcement was exceptional. And I had a buzz watching that announcement that I think I felt a lot in the Attitude Era. And I've definitely felt in moments, many moments since then. But that was the sort of moment I have gone back and watched six, seven, eight times. The crowd was hot. Cody was at his best. And actually, that was probably the first time that I have bought into Cody Rhodes as the top babyface in WWE, not on an intellectual level, because we've known how great he is, but I was with Cody then. He was taking me on that journey. I can't praise it enough. Yeah, it was it was exceptional. Cody's doing some brilliant work, but hasn't he been back in WWE? I think he's been on fire since he's been back, and the fact that he missed four months of that pec injury and it hasn't really hurt him is testament to how popular he is. Again, I said a few weeks ago, I think it's so cool that he's getting to compete in war games. I think that must be a really emotional and very cool moment for him that he's competing in the game, not the game, the match that his dad... <laughs> the game of war. The, the game of war that his dad designed and created as his baby. So I think it's going to be awesome. I think this will be a brilliant, brilliant match. War games is a funny one. I always enjoy it, but it's a very weird mm. stipulation. Like the first 40 minutes almost don't matter. 
it's very, very odd, but they will really, really do this well, I think, the men. I want to put a question that I have been asked to you. Is there any chance, we'll say this till the end of the pay-per-view, is there any chance CM Punk takes out Randy Orton to take his spot? Because I've had people message me saying, until I see Randy Orton, which we didn't see on Raw, I'm not going to believe it's not CM Punk. Uh, so it's very interesting, isn't it? Because there's absolutely a chance. I, I fully believe we're seeing CM Punk this Saturday and that might be completely my fault, but I honestly believe we are. If, you, if I had to, if I had a gun to my head and had to say yes or no right now, I'd say yes. Where? How, okay. How? Because I am the biggest Punk fan going and after the announcement on Monday, I have made my peace that he's not turning up. So how, how do you think he gets there? Oh, no idea. I don't know how. Um, he could take out Randy Orton. He could take out anyone. He could take out someone in the heel team. It's not beyond Punk to come back in the heel team. Like, But I could absolutely see Randy being injured in the back and they have to find someone because maybe Randy Orton's a few weeks off still and they they always knew they were going to need a fifth member, but if they did it without announcing it, it was obvious who it was. So there's a number of things that could happen. He could just come out at the end of... like the the lads could just be in the ring after winning at the end and then Punk could just come out. Like there's so many things that could happen. Now I know it's silly to believe that he's going to be there. I know that, but just too many things are happening. Like I said to you earlier, like living color have just re-released a new version of cult of personality today. Now, unless they're the biggest teasers in the world, why are they doing that? Unless they're fully expecting tomorrow, a load of people to want to download cult of personality. It's just, there is just so many things happening. I, Nick Aldis, the other week, actually engaging in conversation about CM Punk rather than just shutting it down. CM Punk's teases himself. I just, maybe I'm being played. I could I could sit here next week and you could play this back to me. I'd be like, I'm the biggest idiot in the world. But just too many things are happening for me to think this. At the very least, this has been on the table at some point this happening. It's fascinating. It's such a cool time to be a wrestling fan. I would say bring him back in NXT. You've got a new TV deal. You've got this third brand you're looking to promote. Tease, make an announcement on Saturday if you've got him and say he's going to be the face of NXT because Shawn Michaels is booking it. If anyone knows how to look after a CM Punk, it's a Shawn Michaels. That would get eyes on NXT. I, I, that's what I would do. But He's not going to be there. Or he is. Who knows? That's the amazing thing about wrestling. We do know who are going to be there. We've got that women's war games. Becky Lynch has been announced for the babyface team. I'm afraid I can't muster much excitement for that. They'll they'll have a hell of a show, but I just, I can't get to that level for it. Yeah, the match is going to be brilliant. Like, the eight women involved are absolutely excellent, but they have no reason to be going into war games. They have no story. And... I have no emotional investment in the match. And that is unfair to these women because you give them even six weeks of booking for this and I'd be all over it. But there is no reason to be interested in this match apart from the fact it will be a great match. And that, like I say, it's unfair on the women. WWE should have done better here. They should have known from further out they wanted a women's war games match and they should have worked out a reason for there to be one. They haven't. And it's just a mishmash of people fighting in a cage now and... I struggle to be interested in that. And it's also, it's, it's unless I've missed something, it's four on four, isn't it? It is, yes. Which, you know, it's like, it's like saying we've got the men's rumble of 30 and then the women's rumble of 20. Like, if, you, mm. if you're going to do it, do it. Don't go half in. 
Yeah. yeah, and they've shown in the past that they can do it. Like you look at one, one of my favorite moments of storytelling ever happened at the women's war game in, in NXT four years ago when on her way to the ring, Tegan Knox turned on Dakota Kai, literally on her way to the ring. They were on the same team. She got out and she turned on a mid-match. Like they can do this story. They can give me reasons to care. They can do this. They just, for whatever reason this year, haven't. And that's why I said, we said two weeks ago, I wouldn't have had a war games match for the women on this card because there was no reason to. And it does a disservice to women, put them in a match where there's no emotional stakes. Like the men have got 12 to 18 months of reason to be in this match. The women have seven days. Like it just, it's unfair on the women and WWE should have done better. Yeah, I completely agree. One woman who won't be involved is Ronda Rousey. We'll talk about where she's pitched up in a moment or two. Here is what is bonkers about this card. There is no bloodline representation anywhere. Not not a sausage, not, not a singles, not a triple threat, not a Roman promo segment. The bloodline are nowhere on this, on one of the big four pay-per-views. Yeah, and that at the start of the year is almost beyond comprehension, isn't it, with how important they've been for the last three years, really. So I think it shows where the bloodline storyline is at at the moment. There is... There isn't much going on there. And what I like is that WWE haven't tried to force them on for no reason. They've actually made the sensible call of, okay, just because it's been great for three years, it's not too hot right now, we'll just leave them off. And we've talked a number of times about whether we think Roman not being there hurts it, etc. But I think it's a smart move in WWE here because where would you put them? There is no reason to shoehorn them into this, so don't. Here's another one, and I'm going to throw this at you. There's no Logan Paul on this card. And we were talking not long ago about what you do with Logan Paul at WrestleMania. I've seen in a few places the idea of Logan Paul versus Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. Now, not all the time. In fact, I don't think ever have we ever had two celebrities face each other in WWE. However, a Logan Paul Bad Bunny match at WrestleMania has got me excited by the possibilities. What do you reckon? It's interesting because initially my gut is to say, no, I don't like it. But I think, why don't I like it? They're both huge stars. Like The eyes that would bring on WWE would be huge. They're both exceptional in the ring. Logan is Logan Paul is better than Bad Bunny, I'd say, because we've seen more of him. But Bad Bunny's brilliant in the ring. It would make me nervous having two wrestlers that inexperienced in the ring together at the showcase show for one of the, one of the, the probably the fourth biggest title in WWE. That makes me nervous because if something goes wrong and there isn't someone with the experience to fall back on it, like we don't know how many times mistakes happen in a match and they cover for it because these wrestlers are 20, 30-year vets. You have two men in there who probably have less than 15 professional wrestling matches between them. I worry that something could go catastrophically wrong that hurts WWE, that hurts WrestleMania, that hurts the US title and hurts both those men as performers in WWE. So I would be tentatively interested but I, I do think a better way to use them is against full-time talent. But if you could square that circle, if you just said to these guys, what are we in November now? WrestleMania is spring. Let's give you four months where you do nothing but rehearse this one match. And maybe we give you a special referee in Austin or someone like that. You won't find a bigger mainstream babyface than Bad Bunny. He is beloved. And you won't find a better mainstream heel than Logan Paul. And... I know we never do celebrity versus celebrity, but we've never had two celebrities as... as It's never even been an option to consider until now. 
Yeah, it, it, it's not anything we've considered before, and I absolutely see the upside, and that's why I'm tentatively against it, but I kind of want to see. I, I don't know. I'd have to... I've got to sit with that one for a while. You've caught me off guard with that one, Mr. Murley. I know, it was just one that of... That wasn't in the rundown of the show. I'm sorry. It was just one of those things I saw... It's sitting... me who surprises you on this show. You stick to the rundown. Well, I tell you who's not in the rundown for Survivor Series as well is, is where's LA Knight? Hottest thing yeah, in WWE... Yeah main event in Crown Jewel. This was, I think, the concern many folks had. You put him out there for Crown Jewel, he's up against Roman, he's red hot, and then what you do with him after? So far, not a huge amount compared to where he was. Yeah, you're not telling me that I'm over the moon Randy Orton is coming back. I really, really am. But really, should LA Knight have been the fifth member of that face team? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. But why wouldn't he slot in there, though? Because Randy's a bigger star. He is, but if you want to keep building stars and making him hot, where else? there is nowhere else to put him on this card. Okay, so let's play this game. Uh, Randy Orton, let's say we both accept he's bigger than LA Knight, so let's look yes. at the four other baby faces. Do you take Sami Zayn out and put LA Knight in? No. Do you take Jey Uso out and put LA Knight no, in? I, I see where this is going. I wouldn't take any of them out. Which means maybe he's just not as big a baby face as we thought he was. Yeah, I, but then he sells a ridiculous amount of merch and you hear the reactions for him. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice problem to have, but I don't know. Maybe, and also, you're as big a baby face as the company to a degree will let you be. So I'm not knocking him, but I was just thinking, he's got to be somewhere, but you know these managers, who was it? It was Gareth Southgate talking about Raheem Sterling the other day. And someone said, why is Raheem Sterling in your squad? And he says, well, you tell me where you'd put him. Who do I take yeah. out? Who does WWE take out to put LA Knight in these positions? And you sort of go, yeah, I can see that point. Yeah, it, it, it's a very, very good point, but it is worrying that on one of your big four pay-per-views, they can't find anyone on the card for him. Like the concern comes when you can't find anything for them to do. Mm. So do you do a segment? Would you, would you find some way to get him out there? I'd try and get him out there somehow because I don't have the answer of where I put him either, but I'd try and get him out there somehow and keep him on your screen. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Somebody turned up on our screens this week is Ronda Rousey. Not in WWE, not in AEW. We don't talk about Ring of Honor that much on this show, but Ronda Rousey has made her Ring of Honor debut in the women's division. I don't think any of us saw that coming. No, I was fascinated when I saw this. It's very interesting because, I won't lie, I didn't think Ronda Rousey had the desire or want to keep wrestling if she wasn't doing it in WWE. So this is fascinating to me. She's not in the main brand in the world, that's WWE. She's not in the second brand, that's AEW. She's not arguably in the third brand, which would be, I guess, a new Japan. She's in Ring of Honor. Like, I don't I don't see I don't see what has drawn her there apart from a love of wrestling. Exactly. And also all elite wrestling, I believe, own Ring of Honor, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why if you're Tony Khan, surely you'd have her on your your bigger show because I know she didn't finish well in WWE, but she's still Ronda Bloody Rousey. Like, she's still one of the biggest names in the history of combat sport. But don't you think this is Tony Khan uh, trying, trying to push this boulder called Ring of Honor uphill, where he's, if he does one more thing, people will start tuning into Ring of Honor, and he's desperate to keep it alive. And I think most wrestling fans are saying, Tony, let it go. Yeah, like... The best thing he did with acquiring Ring of Honor is acquiring all the footage of Ring of Honor in the mid-2000s when they were extremely hot. But now, AEW kind of fills the hole that Ring of Honor did then. Like, 
it is very, very hard to run one wrestling company, let alone try and run two. So I, I, I am fascinated and confused by Ronda Rousey turning up in Ring of Honor. It seems a very, very odd landing place for her. It also, just that women's division, when you've got Athena, the former Ember Moon, sitting there having, by all accounts, amazing Ring of Honor women's title matches, and you think, just Tony, bring him over to your main women's, you could have some barn burners if you just amalgamate the two. I don't, I don't know why he's not doing it. Why are you trying? Why are you taking eyes off all this great wrestling, great work you're doing? I understand you're trying to bring eyes to Ring of Honor, but just put all the eyes on AEW, Tony. That's your yeah. That 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 was that that is my thought on it. But also on a more positive note, I think like what a brilliant seven days of wrestling we've had. Like to go from full gear to Raw to Dynamite to SmackDown will be good tonight because SmackDown is always good to the excitement for war games tomorrow. And you had NXT in there, which is consistently very good at the moment. Like it is a hell of a seven days across the board. And I think AEW are at some of the best they've been at for a long time. Currently WWE are consistently great at the moment. It's, it's about as good as it gets right now for wrestling fans. AEW, I think, have done that let's refresh the cast that sometimes your favourite shows do and you go, all right, it's had a bit of a wobble, but I'm really loving AEW and WWE is so good and it only gets more exciting from here because it's we're almost at the Rumble season. You know, it's going to be two months and we're at the Rumble, then WWE in Australia Elimination Chamber. It, I cannot think of a more exciting time there has been to be a wrestling fan. Maybe when AEW launched because it was different, but now we have we have consistent different, consistent choice. I mean, you got Adam Copeland in AEW, you got Cody over in WWE. We're talking about where CM Punk's going to go. It doesn't get better. No, it genuinely is as good as it gets right now. I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Look, let's go to everyone's favourite part of the pod. Something from everyday life we're sending back to developmental, and something is earning the push. First or second for you this week. I'll go first this week. Go for very, it. Very quick ones. Uh, Earn the Push is, I had my first ever Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, we've got an American friend, myself, my partner, and we did Thanksgiving in England this week. And it was really good fun. Really nice to have friends around for dinner. We had, it's basically a big turkey roast with mac and cheese is essentially all I can say. And it's great. So that was really, really fun. So Push to Thanksgiving, never done it before. We'll now be doing it anytime I have an American friend around. Did you have that sweet potato thing? Do they do sweet potatoes? No, we didn't do that because I just did normal mash. Because I won't lie, I do a killer mash. It's my dad's secret recipe and it's class. Okay, Mr. Beckett Sr.'s secret mash recipe. All right, Uh, I can get behind Uh, Thanksgiving. uh, Yeah, it was really good fun. And back to developmental, I quite often sit here and tell you books and films and TV shows I enjoy. I'm going to give you one I didn't enjoy for the first time ever. Uh, myself and partner sat down and we watched a show on Netflix called Inside Man. It was, it has Stanley Tucci and David Tennant in it. That's why we watched it. Two brilliant actors, great people. And by the way, their acting in it was sensational. But the storyline made you feel very, I won't ruin it, but there were moments where you felt very uncomfortable with what was happening. and I didn't enjoy the storyline. And then the ending was so, so, so unfulfilling. Like, just left you with quite like there's one question you have the entire series and the ending doesn't answer the question and references the fact it's not answering it by saying maybe that's a story for another time no i've sat through four hours of this horror show of discomfort the time to tell me the answer is now that is now so 
it actually wasn't it wasn't a bad show by any means. I just didn't enjoy it and I hated the ending. So they took Inside you- Man gets back to that mental. They took you to the brink and they didn't deliver. That's terrible. Exactly. Terrible. This is how people must have felt about the bloodline story at WrestleMania when Cody didn't win. This is what it's yeah, like. Fair, fair. So for me, back to developmental, Christmas adverts on telly. Too soon. Too early. December. I've been seeing them since start of November. I don't yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why this is happening. Um to all the stuff in the shops. I don't want to be that guy, but it is two months as a build-up for it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So I'm sending uh, that back to developmental. Earning the push for me, I just want to say uh, well done to the boys and gals at Fightmare for WAW. We mentioned last week I was going. British wrestling, amazing. I know we all talk about the big pops and the rushes that you can get from your huge shows, and that's true, but I had as much fun at a WAW show, and this will be true for many promotions, uh, on Saturday night uh, at Fightmare at the Showground Arena in Norwich, as I would do anywhere. You see hard-working talent get their moment, and it's just wonderfully fulfilling. Any ridiculous chants from the British crowd? No ridiculous chants. I want to give a shout-out to a guy called Rob Butler, who is a presenter at BBC Norwich, but also works uh, for WAW. He's a presenter at BBC Norfolk and works for WAW. Um, And I think that's just for fun. And he is their announcer. And at some point during the match, he delivered a destroyer in the world title wow. match. He got into the wow. ring. That is, that is, that's not like a DDT or a punch or a slap. It was, I was there and I said, oh, there's well, Rob's in the ring. Blimey, he's delivered a destroyer on one of these legendary night competitors. And that was amazing. You've got insert name here, which are a great tag team. They're absolutely awesome. They won the belts. And as we were saying last week, and we'll reiterate, wrestling in Britain is so hot, but so many people give so much time for their moments in front of the crowd. So go and support your local wrestling uh, wherever wherever you are. And if you're in Norfolk, go along to WAW because it's fantastic. Yeah, I couldn't agree with a lot more. And I think WAW need to strive to try and get Steve Coogan to a show as Alan Partridge. And if that ever happens, then they've made it. Imagine Partridge wrestling. Did you see that Sov Pro Wrestling in the north of England have signed the man who plays Les Battersby from Coronation Street to appear? I hadn't seen that, no. He will be appearing at a show in 2024. So um, could you do a Canadian Destroyer, by the way? No, I haven't got that athletic ability. No. But you know, like when we were kids and you and your family... Me hang on, and- hang on, hang on. We we weren't kids at the same time, Jack. You are substantially older than me. I, guess when, I think substantial's when, harsh, but... <laughs> <laughs> when you were a kid before me... Yeah, you know you would do wrestling moves on, yeah, on, on yeah. siblings. Is anyone trying Canadian destroyers in the swimming pool? You'd... You'd hope not, wouldn't you? Like, you'd hope they leave that until they go to wrestling school. Yeah, but you know, like, we would try power bombs, rock yeah. bottoms. Like, now wrestling's moved on, so is anyone, like, trying? I, I remember getting in enormous trouble for splitting the lip of one of the lads down the road who was a few years older than me because we were wrestling on the trampoline and I put him in the crossface and I split his lip doing the crossface when I was about eight years old. <laughs> I love the you. 
even eight years old, you're like, submission-based strong style is the way I'm going to go. Yeah, that's that's always how I'd wrestle. I got him down, I got him in the cross face, and he wouldn't tap because he was older than me, and then he started bleeding, so I let go, and then I had to run home up the road. Oh my god, you were eight years old being led onto that trampoline. Must be like when they brought Kane in in shackles. <laughs> <laughs> Just ripping, ripping the door off the cell. Ripping the door off the playpen. Well, look, we'll leave it on that note. I'm going to ask you this. You are convinced he's going to he's going to turn up. I just want to confirm, CM Punk Survivor Series, yay or nay? Yeah, I think he's going to be there. And I know it's stupid optimism, but if it happens, I'm going to look like a genius. Yeah, he's not he's not coming and I'll look like a genius. So one of us will be right or wrong next week. We'll talk all about Survivor Series on next week's Earning the Push. Until then, you can help us enormously by rating, reviewing and subscribing wherever you listen. Follow us on the socials. He's Charlie underscore Beckett. I'm Jack underscore Merley. And we are out of time. Survivor Series on the agenda next week uh, and everything else going on in the wrestling week. But until then, uh, enjoy your week and we'll see you then. Bye bye.